NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, episode 73, and it's go time. We're in Texas. NFR has begun. Uh, we wrapped up night one last night, and wow, it's after all that has been going on this whole year, every little roller coaster bump in the road, whatever you want to call it, it was nice to see everybody ride and get going. And wow, I mean, Arlington looked beautiful, a little chilly, but no East Coast chilly, no no Midwest chilly, so we can get over that. Ryland, you actually went to the event. I watched it from the Cowboy Channel, so we got two experiences here. What was it like going into the stadium? You know, going in the stadium actually was really nice yesterday. Um, we got off the bus, kind of walked straight up to the southeast entrance is where we entered and had our tickets on our phone. Scanned in, and that was it. You were in the stadium. There was uh, metal detectors that you had to walk through, obviously, just for safety precautions. But other than that, it was a great experience. So, you know, obviously, both from there, you know, I didn't get to experience that, but watching Cowboy Channel, and then we got in, right? Started rolling with everything. How was, like, well, it looked like the crowd was trickling in. Took, took a little while to come in. I mean, I could tell that. And hey, man, it's Texas. It's rodeo. I get it. I don't think everybody comes early to the rodeo in Texas, right? Definitely had a trickle effect. It was kind of a nice experience in the sense that I don't know if it was COVID or if it was just the different openings of the door times, but there was like a earlier flow, a middle flow, and then the trickling just kind of kept coming all night, to be honest. I was surprised by the difference of Las Vegas to Arlington on the crowd flowed for sure. Yeah, I um man, and then I could see that in watching TV, but then we got going, right? And man, that opening with Bob Tallman, um, I, damn cool. You know, you went through all the, the oldies but goodies, and then also everyone a part of the rodeo. How was, I mean, how'd you like, first of all, how did you like that grand entry coming in? Grand Entry is one of my favorite things to watch, especially as the week goes on. It's one of those things that, you know, the horses get stronger, the energy gets harder every day of the week. And last night, just seeing every contestant come across that playing field for the first time in what could be a couple weeks, um, a couple months for some of these competitors, you could just feel the energy of those horses and the excitement to be competing for a world title. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. And then obviously we had Cowboy Christmas. Great turnout there. I blown away by the crowds. Um, everyone was social distancing. They wore their masks, you know, and I know some people have issues with however that comes down, but I'm glad that people were, were working with everybody to get that done. So you can have a successful event. Otherwise, people, you know, there's 
people got to do things if you don't. I mean, I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just, just man, just it was just nice that everyone was doing that, and the shopping looked great, and everybody looked happy. Uh, fantastic. We still got another nine days to go today, 10 a.m. Uh, you can be listening to this later on today, and it's already open. So there you go. But um, obviously, the Rodeo Life stage, Shane Miner, had great um, con- or not contestants, very great uh, artists come over there. Um, Flint went off without a hitch. He, he did great as usual. Great crowd for him. So Cowboy Christmas, while it's not in Vegas, definitely had that vibe wherever it's at, and it's here in Fort Worth. And then obviously Junior Bowl Finals. Um, things went great there. What? Tell us a little bit. I mean, you don't have to get us some crazy synopsis on what went down there, but what was the vibe? How did the kids look? How did it go for day one for Junior Bowl Finals? The kids look great. They're excited. It's You can tell that this has been a very different year for them, and all of the families and the children are just so excited that we were able to go through with this event. And like you said, wearing those masks, I mean, it may not be everyone's favorite, but this year we just have to do it. We have to do that in order to make these events happen for the youth, for the Cowboys, and we're here to make it happen. Yeah, and you know, let's talk about where you're at right now. Obviously, so every morning you're going to be hanging out with us from King Ranch inside the stockyards at Fort Worth. That place is pretty beautiful. You know, I can't really explain the details that are in here, but it genuinely is a stunning store. When you walk in, there's just so many things to look at. You want to touch everything in a sense because it's just beautiful. The genuine leathers that they have in the bags to the coats. I want to buy it all. And honestly, being here every morning at King Ranch in the Fort Worth Stockyards might break my bank account. Nice, Triple B. Stay tuned for our guests, three-time Wrangler NFR qualifier Jacob Talley and country singer Glenn Templeton. But up next, NFR Rewind with Jeff Metters and Butch Knowles from the Cowboy Channel. It was a history-making night in Arlington, Texas, as the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, for the first time since 1985, takes place outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. It was a a fan deal, a COVID deal, so everything changed dramatically. But a one-year pass in Arlington, Texas, Globe Life, Jeff Metters, Butch Knowles. Round number one was exactly what you expect, maybe even even bigger and better than than what we expected. Yeah, spectacular facility, and in my opinion, a spectacular performance for round one. Bareback riding, it was Richie Champion, a tough Texan, 87 and a half points for him. Yeah, I knew, you know, I I think Richie is kind of the sleeper in this whole group of bareback riders, and I think he made his point tonight. Great ride. Three Cowboys splitting first in steer wrestling. Jesse Brown, one of them. The winning time was 3-9. Yeah, first steer, first in a bar. He takes an early lead. Blake Knowles comes in behind him. 3-9. They travel together some this summer, so that was sweet. Dakota Elders also a part of that three-way split. Yeah, and I thought Dakota was going to get them both. His feet were on the ground a little quicker. That steer hung up just a hair to let him make the tie. Winning time and team rubbing 4-8. Eric Rogers, a world champion and last year's Rookie of the Year, Peyton Bray. Yeah, Peyton Bray. You talk about exciting. Look at that victory lap right there. <laughs> that is what it's all about. A couple of Cowboys splitting first in saddle bronc riding 86 points. Rusty Wright was one of them. Rusty Wright looks like he's just starting off right where he left off one year ago at the Wrangler NFR. 
early go-around win and a great ride. Lefty home in his first NFR. Wow, 86 for him, too. I'm not surprised. I've seen Lefty ride for the last couple years, and I've watched rides like that. Good for Lefty. And Marty H just blew the roof off Globe Life's run of 7-1. and one. He made it look simple, didn't he? I mean, scored great. His horse worked perfect. And it was just like, hey, this is nothing. I'm going to do this for the next nine nights. One of the things I was curious about coming into round one, how would Sister handle this arena? Well, we, we found out is Haley Kinzel chasing her third straight world championship. They got the go-around win. You know, and like Joe Beaver said during this run, that wasn't the best perfect run that she's ever made. I look for it to be faster before this week's done. And in bull riding, you got Stetson Ross trying to win another all-around world championship. He's moving up in the bull riding as well. And it was a big night, 90 and a half for him. It was a huge night. And I love the way he rides bulls. He is so aggressive. He slides up when he nods, and I mean everything is a home run after that. Well, the coverage on uh, the Cowboy Channel starts at 2 Eastern. We have coverage all day, but of course, round number two of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo on the Cowboy Channel and RFD tomorrow night. Cowboy Christmas, the Wrangler NFR's only official gift show, is open daily at the Fort Worth Convention Center through December 12th. Cowboy Christmas is no ordinary Western shopping fest. You'll find hundreds of exhibitors with the most unique Western apparel, art, furniture, jewelry, and so much more. If you need it, you can find it here. There's something for everyone at Cowboy Christmas, and admission is free. Get more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas, we're all in, in Texas, and it's all here. Hey y'all, it's Lainey Wilson, singer-songwriter in Nashville, and I'm here with NFR Extra. Jacob has qualified for the Wrangler NFR every other year since his first in 2016. Much of his success has come aboard a mare named Baby Doll, owned by Sam Dixon. He is having the best year of his career. NFR Steer Wrestler, Jacob Talley, welcome to NFR Extra. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. You know, you're heading into the 2020 Wrangler NFR. You're currently in second place. And, you know, this is the best, from what I understand, to career to date, you coming into the NFR. How does this feeling compare where you are right now, heading into Texas, in the past to when you were heading into Vegas? What emotions, everything that's going on in your head right now, how does this all feel right now? Man, so it's it's going to be different, obviously. The, the setup is going to be a lot different. Um, quick backstory: I got hurt. Last year, I had to have surgery, and I missed most of the year. So when I came back, obviously, nobody thought this this crisis we're in was coming or there'd be a change in venue or anything. When I came back, I was prepared to come back ready to make the NFR my plans to win the world. And so when, after I had surgery, when I started working back towards it, I never really questioned where it was going to be. We just started preparing. Well, then throughout the year, things changed, obviously, and and the venue changed, but, but the goal has never changed. So Texas, Vegas, it, it hasn't really mattered. We've, we've been preparing for this for a long time. And so the, it didn't matter at that point, if it was in Texas or Vegas or in my backyard, we were going to be ready. Nice. Talk a little bit about the mental part of competing at the NFR. You just told us right before we started this, that you were wrapping up your last practice 
but what is your routine and preparation before you ride at the event? Um, just we saddle horses. I like being involved, saddling the horses and warming the horses up. Obviously, we got to get ready for grand entry and everything too. So I'll I'll help get everything ready and start warming up, and then I'll go back behind the arena and get ready for the grand entry. Um, I don't have like a really set routine. We just kind of get out there, feed the horses, just kind of keep it like a regular rodeo routine. Not not change anything from what we did all year to the out there because when it boils right down to it it's another rodeo and we have to treat it as such, not, not make it out to be anything different. Absolutely. I got to go back. Go ahead. Sorry, Brian. Oh, you're good. I was just curious. Do you have any superstitions? I do not. No, ma'am. No. Nope. Well, darn. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not one like that. That won't do certain things or I've heard some people not wearing certain colors or hats on bed. I, I don't, there's not really anything that bothers me too much. So I got to go back to what you're saying, Jacob, about uh, you kind of nonchalantly said you had an injury that took you out for the rest of the year. Can you share what that injury was and, and how you've recovered? Yep. Uh, I tore my right pectoral, the major in half, uh, right at the tendon, like kind of under your armpit. And so they had to go in. I had to put three anchors in, tie it back to the bone. And so it was, it, it took a while. It was kind of a different, uh, different deal. I was supposed to take six to eight months off and I went through a major, I guess, rehab. I left and, uh, I started, I started rehabbing at three weeks and you're not supposed to till six. And I, man, I changed the way I ate. I changed what I drank, everything that slowed down soft tissue regrowth. I kicked it out of my life. And then everything that sped it up by different foods, different exercises, um, I added to my routine. And I came back in 11 weeks and competed at Calgary. Um, that was my goal was to get back for Calgary. And then I just kind of took it easy the rest of the year after that. Um, I, I went a little bit trying to get some money, wanting to get into some bigger rodeos for the beginning of this year. Sounds like your focus got aligned. You cleansed the body. My goodness, man, I think coming in here, I'm not going to say that they never, hey, Jacob Talley's right behind me and here he comes, but you surprised, I think by doing this, this is this caught a lot of people off guard, knowing who you, you're a different Jacob Talley is what I'm trying to get at. No doubt. Yes, sir. I, I feel like them first couple of years, you know, I, I didn't grow up rodeoing either. I hardly rode horses till I turned 20. Um, so it's, it's been a learning process. And then when I when I made it the first year, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, th that second year I felt like was a good learning year. I, I learned a lot between the two. And then after the injury and you add those two years together, I've never been as, um, more, I guess, prepared or focused or ready for something in my entire life. It's like, this is, it's not going to be what it was in the past. And I feel like my learning years are never going to be over, but now we're going to be fine tuning on things that make us sharp. And I've, I've committed to doing whatever I have to do to get there. Let's stop right there. We'll return after the break. The 
next generation of rodeo stars will compete at the Junior World Finals presented by Yeti. From December 3rd through 12th at the Wrangler Rodeo Arena inside the Countdown Coliseum at the famous Fort Worth Stockyards, more than 750 youth contestants will compete for titles in nine events. Bull riding, team roping, tie-down roping, steer wrestling, barrel racing, breakaway, pole bending, mini saddle bronc riding, and mini bareback riding. Competition start at 7.30 a.m. daily and admission is just 10 bucks. Visit NFRExperience.com for details. Hey guys, I'm Nate Justice, uh, four-time NFR bullfighter uh, from Douglas, Wyoming, and I'm joining you on NFR Extra. Three-time Wrangler National Finals Rodeo Qualifier, Jacob Talley, is here on NFR Extra. Do you have any role models or heroes that are impacting those choices that you're making right now or just in your life when you were getting involved in rodeo? Um, so I do, but they're not probably really involved with rodeo. You know, a lot of guys grow up involved in it, so they have those rodeo idols. Um, I, I like athletes because I grew up playing football, and the coach I played for in high school is a head coach at – Philadelphia right now coaching the Eagles he was coaching the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl so I've had a lot of great influence on my life between coaches and family um, that not necessarily were rodeo people but they were athletes and coaches people that helped shape you into I guess men and athletes as you're growing up so it's I feel like they go hand in hand it's not really rodeo idols but it's it's people I look up to that have competed and been the best at their at their sports or coach the best at their sports. Where does your dad fall into that category? Um, my dad, he didn't grow up rodeoing either. He started a little bit late. He, he bulldogs for about 10 years, but it was, he didn't start till he was about 30. Um, and he just rodeo local. Uh, he has a little water well drilling company and it was hard for him to get, get away. He worked most of his life. And so he's, um, uh, he, he piddled with it, but he really didn't know what was out there either. It was something when I tried it, we, we both kind of learning as we were going because he, he never really got too far away from home. So what was the catalyst? Why start steer wrestling? I mean, you've never ridden a horse at 20 and it's like, yeah, let's, let's get on a horse, run fast and jump off. Where was the appeal to that? And how did you get into it? Man, so watching my dad, I knew it was something I wanted to try. And like I said, those coaches I had were, were coaches that had coached at every level, so they were really strict. That wasn't something they were wanting us to do while we were playing football. So it, I really didn't have a choice in the matter until after all that was over. Um, my dad went to a bulldogging school in Bernice, Louisiana, with Tom Carney. And when I finished playing football, he I told him I wanted to try it. I, man, I'm a competitor. I, I like competing at everything. Um, and so I, I couldn't, when I was done with football, I didn't want to be done competing. And so I went over there and I tried it. I went through that school and I, I loved it, but I just didn't know much about it, but I knew it was something if I put the time in, I could be the best at. And, um, over, over a period of time, it, it grew from could be the best to, I know I will put the time in and I will be the best. And it, it's just taken me a lot to get here. I'm still learning. But well, I work at it 
extremely hard. So how many years from that until you really started making the progress and seeing yourself rise up in the standings and make it to the, your first NFR? So I went to that bulldog in school. Um, let's see, it was the Thanksgiving of 2010. And then I didn't rodeo until 2011. And I just kind of circuit rodeoed. I, I was practicing, trying to figure out, because I didn't know anything about entering. I didn't know where I needed to go, how I needed to go. I was just, I was going and practicing and trying to get sharp. And then 15, I met a group of guys and I've, I'd always heard to go or rodeo professionally. You got to get in, in the truck with other guys and go, you can't just go by yourself. And that was something I didn't even know either. So I met a group of guys and I went about half the year with them. I left in the summer and went in the summer. I didn't really rodeo that winter. I was working and trying to save up money just to kind of see how to enter and where to go. And I hit it off with those guys. And so we started out in 16 and 16 was the first year I went start to finish completely. And that was the first year I made the NFR. Wow. So what group of guys are we, can, is that, or is that top secret information? Yep. Oh no, it was Nick guy. And I mean, he's, he's made the finals five or six times, I think. Um, and Cody Kroll and, and Cody, he had the horse, me and Nick were both riding. And so, and I traveled with them for half of 15 and 16 and 17. Um, pretty much kind of still learning and figuring it out until I found some different horses I liked in 18. You talk about horsepower a little bit. I'll jump in. What does your horsepower look like this year for the finals and throughout the season? It was a different season for you guys, but... How'd that go? It was good. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased, but I, I really feel like I'll be riding the best horse out there. Um, she's kind of been not a secret weapon. Everybody knows who she is now after this year, and they rode her three rounds out there last year at the end just to see. She had never been out there. Um, her name is Baby. She's owned by Sam Dixon out of Arkansas, and he got her. She was younger. She had been started, but she just hadn't been very many places. Um, and so we got her and started riding her, and we all get along with Sam. We're all good friends, and she ended up turning into something that is she is extremely nice. And uh, she, she's going to be a real game changer for out there, I believe. I'm excited to watch. Okay, so you've been to the NFR a few times, and you play football. Yep. So there's always music in the background, right? And there's, there's some way to just, it creates motivation for people. And as we know with the NFR, man, I mean, this music, you're in the box and there's beats in the background. There's got to be a song for you. as you, I mean, like, it's Jacob to roll out there, pull it down quicker than anybody else. Is there anything that you want to hear or that aligns with you and what you do in your career? Man, so, yeah, but I'm going to give you a curveball, I think. I don't, first off, I don't really, I don't really hear very much when I'm out there. Um, it's not, I, I can hear background noise. So if you're talking about backing in the box, it's not something I'd probably hear anyways. Because I'm kind of, when, when I step out in front of the box, it's it's straight focus. I can tell them everything out. Um so there's one song that, and this is where it'll be a curveball. It's not something that pumps me up. I'm a Christian, and there's a song out there. It's called Graves in the Gardens, 
I think it, it turns my focus, my, my main focus in everything is God. And I, I know I've seen him work in my life. I've seen him bless me in ways that I can't even begin to describe to be able to do the things that I do. And so to me, I can get carried away being a competitor and to, to keep that the main focus of my life. It, it knows I'm blessed to be able to do this. It, it fires me up to be able to do this, but it's for a bigger reason. And for me, that is to shine a light to other people. Kind of being the example and being a shining light. I'm going to throw a curveball right back at you. But um, how does that play with, you know, I mean, sponsors are a huge part of this. And so, I mean, does that, I guess, with the representation that you have, does that limit the sponsors that, you, that you'd be willing to represent? Or is that something to where it's like, hey, man, sponsors are sponsors? No, I would be, and I've, I've really not gotten to a situation, I guess, like that yet. Or, or been approached by something that would be, a, I guess, a conflict of that. Um, to be honest, if I was, I would turn it down just because yeah. I know, uh, for, for even getting started and working out, I started without them. I, they help more than I have plenty of sponsors that help in ways that you can't imagine. But when it comes to sacrificing beliefs or morals to gain something like that, I couldn't do it. Yeah. That goes to speak of the rodeo cowboy in you before we let you go and wrap this up. Besides the NFR, what is one of your favorite rodeos throughout the year and why? Um, San Antonio is probably one of my favorites. Uh, I like I like the big atmospheres, the, the big crowds, the big buildings. Um, it's just something. Now, the, the more people that are there and the bigger the building, the bigger the rodeo, <laughs> I feel like the more I like it and the better I tend to do. Um, so San Antonio, uh, I love Calgary. Calgary was one of the ones that I had never been to until 19. And that was amazing to see. Uh, but I'd, I'd say San Antonio or Houston, those, those bigger rodeos like that and in indoor buildings. Absolutely. Very you nice. do well in globe life then. Yeah, exactly. That's right. We want to let you go, but this is something we, we talked to a lot of people this year. How has your past eight months, nine months been competitively what you've been doing how has this been during the pandemic for you as an athlete um in, in, the, in the rodeo business man it's tough it, it seems like it took more to get here because there was less rodeos more people entered at those rodeos and a lot more driving in between a lot less money so it, it made it hard um there was there was obviously the long lull time in march and april and stuff and then so it was good. I got to work and, and you get to make a little money, but at what point not knowing if, if you're going to rodeo again and, um, that year you still got to practice. So it's not like you can go get a, a day job unless you're willing to stay up all night and practice all night too. But it, it was difficult, but, um, I luckily I had a good enough winter and I still, I got to work a little bit off and on, but still practice every day to stay prepared for when we did come back. It just, it seems like it was a little bit harder because we put on a lot of miles this year to do a little bit of rodeoing instead of on a normal year. We still put on a lot of miles, but we, we hit rodeos everywhere. And, you know, you're driving to two or three rodeos a weekend now with they all got 150 guys in there because it's the only places to go. You know what, though? Your injury alignment, this this Jacob Tally 2.0, basically, 
Hey, man, the, I think someone up there somewhere is having a little uh, hand in helping you uh, align where you're at right now. And I just want to say good luck, man, for the next 10 days coming up. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for joining us. Yep. Thank you all for having me. Hi, I'm NASCAR champion Kurt Busch. Las Vegas is my hometown. I love representing Las Vegas out on the NASCAR circuit and all over the world. Uh, to me, racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway is an awesome experience. It's a privilege to have such a great track as my hometown track and to win it this year in 2020 was an unbelievable experience that I'll never forget. And I'll never forget it because we didn't have race fans there. It was very difficult to celebrate in a normal way. And I hope that we're able to do that next year. But once racing season's over, I always turned my attention to the NFR. I love December and the National Finals Rodeo at the Thomas & Mack Center. That arena is always electric. It's always a fun atmosphere. And unfortunately, they won't be able to host the event this year. But we're keeping our spirits up. 2021, NFR will be back in Las Vegas. NASCAR will be back. And I hope that we will all be able to have our fans in attendance, enjoying the sports that they love. So whether we're racing, roping, or riding, I'm with you guys. Thanks to Las Vegas events, NFR, let's bring it on back. Las Vegas Motor Speedway, let's fill it up. Cowboy Christmas, the Wrangler NFR's only official gift show, is open daily at the Fort Worth Convention Center through December 12th. Get more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas, we're all in, in Texas, and it's all here. Hello, everyone. It is Jordan Tierney, Miss Rodeo America 2020 and 2021, joining you on NFR Extra. From producers, studios, musicians, and music industry vets to country radio and its listeners, Glenn Templeton has set out to impress and inspire. No bells, no whistles, just straight down the pipe, Glenn is genuine in his performance. His studio recordings translate as undeniably and absolute as his live stage show. Glenn Templeton, welcome to NFR Extra. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This is this is quite a way for us to do the interview, but this is uh this is pretty interesting, man. But uh yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, if we had our plans around COVID, we would be sitting down with you at um King Ranch at Fort Worth, Texas, and talking shop in a great place, environment. Yeah, right, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Cool. All right, let's let's dive in to Glenn Templeton. I so there's a couple of things I've read, and they, you can take this however you want. But for for some reason, the name Conway Twitty comes back to you in a certain way. 
uh, where your success is rolling now, your artistry. Can you explain a little bit about this Conway Twitty tie to you? Uh, well, early on and just listening and just being a, a lover of country music, um, Conway was always that name that, that stood out, um, as a, as a staple in country music. And, um, you know, after being here for year after year after year and, you know, singing Conway Twitty songs and, um, I actually was, uh, approached by a, um, uh, singer who, when I was recording in the studio, he was singing some of the background vocals on a record that I was finishing up. And, um, he was actually married to Joni Twitty and informed me that they were putting together a Conway Twitty musical. And, um, he said, you know, you, you got a lot of sound like, like Conway. And, um, I, I want to ask, my wife, if, if it would, you know, if they could set aside a time for you to come down and, and, you know, audition for this role of Conway. And I said, well, sure. You know, I mean, that name rings a bell to me in, in the country music world. I mean, I grew up a fan and, uh, I didn't realize that you guys were putting together a, uh, a, a, a musical. And, um, so they set aside a time for me to come down and I, uh, I'd done a, just a, a couple of songs there. And I know one of the songs that I've done was slow hand and, um, they had searched like they, they'd done auditions, um, there in Vegas. They'd done auditions in New York, Branson, Missouri, and in Nashville and in LA. And they'd done all these auditions. And, um, so with thousands of people who had auditioned for it, um, we got down to the couple of weeks before they were getting ready to start their, um, their rehearsals. And, uh, I got the call from, from the producer of the show. And he said, you know, out of, out of all the hopefuls, Clint, uh, we, we think you'll be the best suited, uh, to play the role of Conway Twitty in, in our up and coming musical. And it took a while for it to sink in because, um, I knew there would only ever be one Conway Twitty and, but I knew I was up for the task and it was a huge launch pad for me moving from, uh, just every night playing for, you know, a couple 300 people, you know, sometimes up to three or 4,000 people up to performing on a, a, a scale of that magnitude. Um, and I, I was up for the task. It was a, it was a, a brilliant experience for me to be able to just have my name and the name Conway Twitty associated with one another. And I felt like at that point that I was on the road, like to a successful career and, and that my career was fixing to move from just playing like nightclubs and shotgun bars to, bigger performances, bigger stages, um, and bigger production. And, uh, it was, it was really a, uh, that, that launch pad for me that, that, uh, got me started actually as a, as a, a, a solo artist going from Conway Twitty to, uh, or going from playing a, a just shotgun bars in a band to, you know, I had to take on this, totally different role of someone that I wasn't, I had to become an actor and performer 
at the same time. And so I learned so much through that show about performances and stage to stage and touring and things that I've never been uh, exposed to before, but I learned so much um, from that show and I'll forever be grateful for that. You know, that's awesome. And yeah, going from shotgun bars to basically a a play, if you will, right? Um, How did you go about your craft? I mean, because it sounds like once that got going, did you just adapt with the punches? I mean, or did was there some training there to help you out on the acting side and, and the things you had to do? Because that's completely different than obviously as you just said. Yeah, it was it was really completely different, and and there was some training that was that was that went along with it um, because there was all these signature moves and all these signature iconic um, moves that Conway had that I really had to uh, I had to learn that his his actual performance which wasn't really a whole lot he didn't do a whole lot on stage but everything that he done was instrumental like it and it was um it was always real signature moves that uh would just it would really make me look like I was more like Conway Twitty and because you know, I really don't look like Conway Twitty at all with, you know, with the blonde <laughs> hair and, and, you know, the bandana. And all. I mean, I didn't look anything like Conway Twitty. So everything that I could do in order to be able to give off the impression that Conway Twitty, you know, was once again, this big, this big thing going on, on, on a, uh, on a performance, big performance stage. I really had to, um, learn all these moves and the, the singing part wasn't something that I really had. There was more songs that I had to learn because I had to learn rock and roll songs because Conway Twitty, a lot of people don't know was a rock and roll star before he was ever a country star. And so I learned a lot of his earlier rockabilly sound and those were new songs that I had to learn. But there was always this, I always had this connection because I, I grew up on a lot of Conway Twitty music. And so I really adapted to the singing really fast, but it was the signature moves that I really had to take time and really learning, you know, what um, there were a lot of key points within the show that, that would get us from point A to point B that I had to be on time. And there was a lot of movement going on backstage and a lot of, uh, costume changes, a lot, a lot, a lot of wardrobe involved in it for different scenes. And that's one thing that I've never done. I always just got dressed for a show and go out and perform. But this was more of a, you know, a storyline that went from early age Conway Twitty to, you know, the, his, his last days. And so there were, uh, there were wig changes that went on. I mean, I, I had the, I had the, 50s, you know, the slick back on the 50s with the, the little dovetail up front and uh, go from that into like this fro, you know, that Conway had in the later days. So and a lot of movement going on backstage underneath the right line right to start my song. And there was a lot going on, a lot of moving parts so, so that there was no dead air, airspace. And um, Learning that you know this this particular word sets this particular uh, scene into motion. 
Uh, and that's when you start singing. And so there was a lot of work that had to be done to coach me into something because I've never done that before. So there was a lot of acting, you know, involved. And I wouldn't consider myself an actor at that point, but having to become a totally different individual, uh, it took a lot of, it took a lot of work. And, but, but I, I grasped the concept of what was going on really early on. And so I just continued to work at just getting it better, uh, getting the lines tighter, getting, and I really didn't have any speaking parts at all, but I just understanding, well, this keyword sets you into this scene, into this theme, and you start singing this song. There was a lot involved and a lot of mental processing that went on that was in this. And thankfully enough, the singing was just second nature. It was all the other stuff that went along with it that I really, really had to learn. It's cool, man. Yeah. You never know when like a, uh, kind of a situation can turn out to a learning experience and clearly that will help you for the rest of your life, uh, working in production and live music. True. You talk about learning curves, experiences, everything that went into that. I'm going to kind of jump over Texas and Nashville two very unique music environments, but like what actually makes these scenes so different and yet so similar? Uh, I think what makes them so different is that Texas is more of a cultural um, cowboy based, you know, Western ride rope type of environment. Nashville is more of a, uh, when you when you talk about the the music scene, Nashville is more of an industrial, like the industry of the music, the tools of of the industry. Now, Texas for live music was one of the things that I found early on was that was one of the best live scenes that I ever had ever been in was in the state of Texas because big production, big stages, bigger crowds. Um, and Nashville was very, very consolidated. Texas way more spread out as far as the venues that you play. Um, and they're really, they really, really are devoted to independence. They're devoted to the independent artists, the people who are every day just battling it out, uh, writing songs, performing. And so they're, they're devoted and, uh, very, very faithful to the independent artists there. Nashville is more um, what I feel like concentrated on the commercial avenue, uh, which is uh, there's a lot of singers, songwriters. The recording industry is far greater here in a small area. And in Texas, you can go from place to place and record, but it wasn't, my experience was, that the recording industry there wasn't like it is in Nashville where, you know, there's all of these in Texas, more or less you go with your band, carry your band to record, um, at a studio, uh, Nashville is more of, they bring the band in, you record the song. Um, and that was just my experience. And I'm sure there's a lot of experiences out there, but where the two are so similar is that they carry a lot of weight when it comes to, when you talk about, music states, those two states are really, really heavily weighted when it comes to country music. Texas is more on the hand of traditional, uh, you know, you look at 
20 years ago kind of country music and Nashville being more of today's type country and, you know, along the lines of uh, the recording process. And it's a lot more fast tracked in Nashville than it is in Texas. And I believe that the, the two of them are so similar because they have all that weight of, of, of country music. And then they're so different because of, how they are distributed. Nashville has distribution and they distribute music all over the world. And Texas is really, really concentrated on uh, moving, you know, their artists forward and, and being involved in personally that, that artist. And they want to get to know the artist really well. And I'm sure that goes along in Nashville as well, but, but they're both very, very different, but there's that, there's that gap that gets bridged because there's a lot of artists who perform, who live in Nashville, who perform in Texas. Now, however, for me, I was kind of like the, you know, kind of Texas is they're so ingrained in tradition. And, you know, there was one time in my career when I thought, you know, people in Texas think if you ain't from Texas and you, by God, you ain't supposed to be there. You know, not re- not really for music anyway, and but but I learned that that I was being adopted into the Texas scene more and more, and so I was kind of like, you know, the kind of the orphan of Texas music. Like coming from Nashville all the time, I was adopted into that Texas country music scene, and it's probably where ninety percent of my touring is these days. Now I tour everywhere from. You know, here in Tennessee to North Carolina to, and I've been every state in the continental U.S. touring, but most of my touring comes from Texas. And I think it's because it's more of a, uh, my passion in country music is more of an old school type. Uh, and, and I think that they really, really gravitate and they embrace that. Uh, so I get to play most of my shows 90% of them are my touring is in Texas. Let's hit the pause button and take a quick break. Next generation of rodeo stars will compete at the Junior World Finals presented by Yeti. From December 3rd through 12th at the Wrangler Rodeo Arena inside the Countdown Coliseum at the famous Fort Worth Stockyards. Visit NFRExperience.com for details. NFR Extra follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylan Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, with our re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hi, my name is Brent Sutton. I'm uh, with Sutton Rodeo and one of the NFR pickup men, and I'm joining you on uh, NFR Extra. We are kicking it with American country singer and songwriter Glenn Templeton.
What are probably your two favorite venue, one of your favorite venues in Texas and one of your favorite venues in, in Nashville that you get to play? Um, Nashville, I would have to say that I spent more time on Lower Broadway at a little bitty shotgun bar called Tootsie's Orchid Lounge on the yeah. front stage night after night. And we're talking about singing for four hours at a time. Uh, you know, just any kind of music that, that anything that come to the top of your mind, those guys down there on, on the street, they can play it. But my, my place that I always, that I got my start and cut my teeth at was that Tootsie's on the front stage in that little bitty room. And I learned more about music in that little bitty room than, and, and more about, you know, getting involved with bands and and really associating myself with people in the town in that little bitty room, and I I had an opportunity to go out to Texas and start playing. Uh, there was some guys from this club called Cowboys out there, ironically, uh, that were they would make trips to to Nashville, and and I got to be really good friends with them, so they invited me to come down and play in Arlington, exactly where we're going to be doing the NFR this year, uh, there used to be a place there in Arlington called Cowboys. And so I played on that, on that same facility right there before they tore that Cowboys club down. That was where I got my start in Texas at was in Arlington. But now I would have to say my favorite venues to play when it comes to just, uh, expressing new music are the listening rooms in Texas. Like there's, there's Tomball, there's the Kenny store, uh, Main Street Crossing in Tomball. Um, but I've gotten to play so many venues there, and the people are so great there. It's hard to say that there are favorite places, but those would be the top two listening rooms that I could say that I enjoy going back to. Every time I go to that state, anytime I play downtown, I always feel like I'm at home because we're all there for the same reason. That, that musical unity that we get from uh, just the sounds of music, that, that unity that we get. Um, I think that that's what um, makes me always feel like I'm at home whenever any stage that I'm on. So I got to give props to all across the board, but I would have to say just personally, probably Tootsie's Orchid Lounge and, I'm going to say the Kenny store way out in, uh, out in Belleville tech. What has the year been like for you? It's one of our key questions because obviously we are in the COVID times. Things are a little different, sometimes a little crazy. What is happening? Where were you when it happened? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it was actually around the spring break time uh, when everything started taking place. But I remember initially being at the Houston Rodeo. I performed there um, in in one of the tents at the Houston Rodeo. And I remember the next day going to specifically the Kenny store and them saying that they had shut down the remainder of the Houston Rodeo due to COVID. So I remember that specifically. Um, and... From that point on, we, we started to, we tried to figure out a way, how can we get music to people because people are still going to want to hear music. And so we started utilizing um, 
uh, like Howard Facebook Live, whatever, whatever the internet had to offer in order to be able to get music to people because that was still my responsibility is to provide music to the fans that that still need to hear music, that need to still hear country music. And it changed a lot of, it changed a lot for us. Um, but it's like anything else you adapt and you overcome and you learn to deal with, uh, whatever is at hand. And, um, we have to learn to live with that. And, you know, it's in many ways, it, it's made, it's made us stronger, um, because I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know, you either get stronger or you get weaker, but the amount of effort is the same. So we either take the information that we've been given and, and the circumstances that we've been given uh, to a present day, and we either utilize those to make, uh, make us stronger or we utilize them to, um, to, to be a learning curve for us. In other words, because I never had a plan B. There was never a plan B for me. My plan B has always been don't let plan A fail. And so I'll go to any lengths to not let plan A fail. And you know, if if we are to fall at some point, I, I don't ever really want anything to fall back on. Uh, one of my favorite motivational speakers is Denzel Washington. And I heard him say, if you want to fall, don't fall back on anything. Fall forward. That way, at least you'll know what you're going to hit when you fall forward. So I've, I've been in the mindset of trying to learn and adapt to just whatever the day brings, whatever's at hand. I still have a responsibility to try to get music to the country music fans uh, all across the world. Uh, and it's been a huge learning curve for us, but, but it's made us stronger. As we've talked to some artists, they've had some opportunities in Texas because some areas were, you know, open and Oklahoma and things like that. Did you do any live performances over the summer? We did. We did several live performances. They were mostly private, very small private parties, uh, small corporate parties. Um, and uh, it, we had projected this to be, we had the books for lots of fairs, festivals, rodeos that we had on the books uh, this year that had to postpone. And so we, in order to be able to keep that relationship open, what we wanted to do was we wanted to give them the option to say, you know what, look, let's just, let, that's fine. We have to do what we have to do to adapt. Just let us be your first call next year for, for these dates. And we'll honor, we'll still honor the dates and we'll still honor, you know, the, the times that we were going to, uh, give you to come out and play. We still want to honor that. Um, but th there were shows, uh, that just got canceled completely. Um, but we made up for that by doing, uh, live Facebook shows, um, by doing corporate shows, cor small corporate parties, um, and, and small, just little private events from birthday parties to whatever they had the, the capacities at, at that time. And we just, we just made it work. Uh, and, and we would go to any length to, to perform wherever we could, whenever we could, as long as it, we could make sense out of it. What's Glenn Templeton's plans here for the, uh, NFR in Texas? Well, I leave, uh, on this coming Thursday at 3 PM, 
and we head to Huntsville, Texas. Uh, I've got a show there at the Huntsville Theater. Um, and then I have a show the following night in Laporte. Uh, then I am off on Sunday and then I have Monday, Tuesday, uh, I have two nights booked at the little listening room I was talking about, uh, in Tomball called Main Street Crossing. And then Wednesday I am there at, uh, NFR in Arlington, uh, to, uh, perform a show there. And there's like a talk show and I'm there with, uh, with, a lot of my great friends from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation who put on, they sponsor NFR every year. And that's my direct connection with NFR and PBR is the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So I'm going to be there on Wednesday uh, performing a show for them. And then on Thursday, I will be back uh, down close to the Louisiana border. And I can't remember exactly the name of the venue. Uh, and then uh Friday, Saturday, I am in right outside of uh, Waco at a place called Shep's Barbecue for two nights. Nice. So it, it's in about an eleven day run. So I mean, we this is the first run that we've actually had since COVID, where it's actually an extended period of time of being out rather than just being a one off here, a one off there. There's a, a significant amount of touring that's going to go on within the next, you know. 12 to 14 days. All right. So your energy has got to be great right now, man. You're getting ready to go do what you love. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, I, I'm just so blessed. I'm so grateful for whatever the day may bring. Uh, and when it brings along work and I see the country music community starting to come back together, I see artists starting to get to go back out and tour again. We're all going to survive. We're going to make it. And uh, sometimes it's like anything else. We're, we just have to. We just have to dig ditches. You know, some some days you're, you're, you know, you're on the skyscraper. But some days you gotta you gotta dig the ditch before you can get to the skyscraper. And so you know, a lot of a lot of uh, you know, drugstore psychology there. But <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, it's so true. You know, uh, it, it's so true that we just have to endure and um it's it's a war of attrition you know it's it's um it's it's like a chess game it's all about mapping it out and uh staying true to yourself and uh giving giving of yourself as much as you possibly can in order to um give the satisfaction of country music to the people who still love country music yeah i can agree more Absolutely. And that is just what the reasoning is behind the Cowboy Revival show that you are going to be a part of is that, you know, the original country music people. Yes. Yeah. And the, the original country music people, that is that the country music cowboy way of life, that is the spine of this industry is, um, creating music uh but i can create all the music that um all the music that i want to but if i don't have the fan base then i can sit in my in in, in my living room and play music all day long and and nobody's really going to care but in order for me to provide a service for the country music audience i have to figure out any way that i can in order to be able to get the music to them, whether it be travel, whether it be like this, um, I have that responsibility, uh, to get them country music. And so, uh, this show is 
is about just that country music industry and, and how we're, we're going to continue to grow and we're going to learn from this and we're going to grow. We're going to continue to create and continue to get music to the people who love it. Well, love it. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Glenn, man. Thank you, sir. This was, uh, it was good talking to you. I'm actually looking forward to you perform at uh, Cowboy Revival for sure. And hey, good luck on this next two week run, man. I, all y'all that are getting to perform right now, it's it's got to be a great feeling. Yeah, it's really a great feeling. So thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this show today, too. You know, I, I know that people look at these podcasts too, uh, just just as some resource of entertainment. So uh, I'm so grateful to be on here today, and thank you for inviting me and taking the time to put me on your show today. That means a lot. Thank you, sir, Absolutely. man. God bless. All right. Be blessed. We want to thank Jacob Talley and Glenn Templeton for hanging out with us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've been hearing on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Cowboy 